Sunday morning. This is Hashtag Everyone, talking about Hashtag Everything. I'm Kate Doherty, and this morning, Ms. Keely Rager is missing in action. So I've got the lovely Brock Hampshire sitting um, in for for her. How are you doing this morning, Brock? Well, I, I certainly don't look like uh, her. I don't have the, uh, the usual adjectives that you like to give her. <laughs> But, oh, I'm so uh, sorry. The handsome, the 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 vivacious, the oh amazing wow. Brock Hampshire. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> that's it, a start. <laughs> it works. But hey, Brock, before we introduce our guest this morning, I have something that I have to do. Uh oh. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday well, to me. you. Nope. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Ella. Happy birthday oh. to you. Nice. Yeah, it's my Ella girl's ninth birthday this morning. So excited. Happy birthday, Ella. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Happy so, yeah. All right. And, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard us switching gears. You've heard us talking a lot on the show about a hypoglossal nerve stimulator trial and how that's related to um, my son, Elliot, who happens to rock an extra chromosome. Um, if you've been listening, you know we've been going back and forth to Boston um, to participate in an FDA trial. And we're really excited about that. But this morning, I'm thrilled uh, to introduce Dr. Christopher Hartnett, who is the lead on this FDA trial for the hypoglossal. How are you doing this morning, Dr. Hartnett? Well, I'm doing very well, and thank you for inviting me, and thank you, Brock, for hosting, and I'm looking forward to talking about this together. Yeah, so first for our listeners, um, could you kind of explain, like, how you, I mean, obviously, you're, you're, you're a doctor, but why specifically, what's fascinated you with Down syndrome and sleep and the sinus and airway passages and so on and so forth? Kind of how did we, how did you get to where you are, and what was kind of the process leading up to that? Sure. So I'm a um, I'm a pediatric ear, nose, and throat doctor, and I run the uh, I run the program up in up in Boston at Mass Eye and Ear and Mass General. And and in that, um, uh, Dr. Brian Scotto, who is uh, runs the Down Clinic at Mass General, and I have shared uh, many of these children uh, together and should try to help them because for so many years, as as you well know, as Elliot's mom and this, and many know one of the issues that kids with Downs have is that they have a tremendous problem sleeping in something called sleep apnea at night that's relational to their particular anatomy. And um, and as a as a surgeon, I, I like to be able to help and either provide medical therapy or surgical therapy that that is that that can help these children. And, and for a bunch of years now, I've been. Um, we really didn't have much we could offer after these children went through the traditional um, therapies. And when this technology became something that we could transpose down to children, I immediately thought of uh, Brian and his children and the children that we share because this this stimulator works on moving the tongue forward. And, And in many of the kids with Down syndrome, that is the particular problem that causes them problems. Yeah, well, and for our listeners, so one of the things that, you know, there are common characteristics that you can find in some children with Down syndrome, although there there isn't a one-size-fits-all. For example, many children with Down syndrome are born with palmar crease, um, which is a line across your hands. However, like in Elliot's case, for whatever reason, he doesn't have the palmar crease. <laughs> um, you know, go figure. Um, but so there isn't a one-size. However, when it comes to the sleep apnea and things like sinus infections and so on and so forth, 
one of the really common, and correct me at any point in time, Dr. Harkman, if I'm, as, I, if, as I'm trying to explain this for, you know, just a general listener who may or may not have a child with, with Down syndrome, many of our children have low muscle tone. And so that low muscle tone can affect just about every kind of area of their body to, to varying degrees. However, one of the other pieces is sometimes, like in Elliot's case, his actual like sinus passages are, are tinier, they're smaller. So something as simple, like in his case, having a sinus infection, where most of us can slough it off or maybe use over-the-counter or whatever, literally it, 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 it clogs. It, doesn't, it, it, it won't flow through the way it typically does. And, uh, and then since it won't flow through, that, that means then that he, he can't hear where if he doesn't have a sinus infection, he can. But then when you have this sinus infection and the lower muscle tone, which is making everything just harder overall, then um, like in, in Elliot's case, you know, he, the CPAP, you know, it was, it was an issue because we couldn't really get it initiated because he kept getting sinus infections. And then we ended up eventually scoping him because we needed to see if there was another blockage, which is kind of how we got to this next stage. And when we scoped him, we found out we had what's called a multiple airway obstruction. And I find this interesting because not just children with a not just children with Down syndrome can have this; other people can have it. It's just more common in children with Down syndrome, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I just and, and I and I think you know what one of one of the things I just I mean, if you step back and whether or not I mean just to frame this um, a little bit you know the uh, whether or not you you yourself or you're your or have have a child with Down syndrome or not just uh, the the issue here is really how do these kids or how does your child breathe at night or how do you breathe at night and I think we all know our nighttime relates to our daytime if we can't breathe well during the night and we don't sleep well at night our day is altered. And the more trouble we have breathing at night and the more issues we have breathing at night, the more our, if, it's, if we are adults, our work can suffer. If we are children, our school performance can suffer. If we are parents taking care of our children, it can be harder because they can be, have more issues with attention or anger or what have you. So there's a wealth of thought of, that we're learning more and more that what we do at night relates to what we do during the day. And, and that's really, and I think that's just bearing out more and more. Well, and you know, it's interesting because I always kind of felt like it was a gift that Elliot actually had Down syndrome because at least I, you know, through reading was able to see that this was something that they, they had a predisposition for because honestly, I didn't make the connection. He was, you know, my first infant child. I never made a connection that some of the ways like he was folded over in sleep um, or the weird positions he would sleep in. I just thought that was just a kid thing, except it's not a kid thing because like in Elliot's case, the reason he was sleeping in those weird positions was essentially because he was trying to naturally open up that airway, but that's what was causing the waking at night. And I just thought it was a typical little kid thing, but it it really wasn't. It was a sleep disturbance. And And, and so often people don't understand that their kids will will have a sleep disturbance because you're kind of, you know, you're kind of used to your own child or, or you're, or you know, or you're when your children go to sleep, you go to sleep, and you don't see it. And often it's it's brought up by you may be seeing you're going to see your grandparents, and you you stay at a hotel, and you're just, and all of a sudden you see your child 
uh, restless, uh, going going off to and from the bed and going in strange positions, or they may sleep over it. You know, the grandparents have them, like your grand, your your own mom or dad will tell you there is just mm-hmm. something terribly wrong here that you just didn't didn't know. So mm-hmm. it's you know, in, in all fairness to all of us who are parents, we don't always see that. Absolutely, and I think and I think sleep apnea is something that the more you begin to learn about, the more you truly begin to understand. And actually, having said that, I, I can't believe this. We're going to go to the first break right now, and when we come back, we're going to get a little bit more into actually the hypoglossal nerve stimulator. But Dr. Hartnick, thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is hashtag everyone talking about hashtag everything. Don't you think it's time for a financial advisor who takes time to explain things? Brad Kurz, your local Edward Jones financial advisor, does. Investing can seem complicated. That's why he takes time to listen, understands your needs, and explains without jargon. Experience the Edward Jones difference. Contact Brad today, 573-221-1302. That's 221-1302. Making time to take time. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Branching Out LLC, a premier lawn and landscaping service that can meet all your residential and commercial needs. Regardless of the season, Branching Out offers a service for maintenance-free outside living. Branching Out takes the time to listen to your needs and ensure it's done correctly the first time. If you're not satisfied, Branching Out is not satisfied. To contact Branching Out, call 573-501-0760 or visit them at www.branchingoutllc.com. I learn, I speak, I care. Hashtag every child. Down country. Because every child is a gift. Every child can learn. And every child learns differently. Up at downcountry.com. Up at downcountry.com or call 217-617-3568. 217-617-3568. Or visit Down Country on Facebook or Twitter. Hashtag every child. Welcome back. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. We're excited this morning as we have Dr. Christopher Harknett uh, with us, and he's talking about the hypoglossal nerve stimulator. Actually, right now we're talking about sleep apnea, but my co-host for the day, Brock Hampshire, had a great question while we are on break. Brock, can you phrase that for our listeners? Yeah, I can try. I mean, you know, um, as not having the experience that you have, Kate, um, with Elliot, but I do know some some folks that, that have developed apnea later in life so i was just curious to ask the doctor if if there's a parallel do do those with with down syndrome do they is it always a from birth um defect if you will or or is it something that they could also develop later in life is there any parallel with them and other folks that develop sleep apnea uh during their adulthood yeah it's a great it's a great question and and just as kate was saying that that not not all children with Down syndrome are alike, and they all have their, each child is their own unique way. Just mm-hmm. in the same way, that's true with all children as they go into adulthood. And, and many times, people will develop sleep apnea because maybe they've gained a little bit of weight, or mm-hmm. maybe their their dietary patterns have changed, or or they're they're different. They're, something will change in their life, their medicines that they go on as such, and. And in that light, they can develop it. And the same is true for kids who with Down syndrome will become adults with Down syndrome. They can gain some weight or they can have different issues with certain medicines and as such. So it's, it's not as if you were born, born either born with or without sleep apnea. You certainly can develop it over time, and it's something that you have to be looked for. Well, and I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes I'll meet people and they'll say, oh, I had a sleep study done 10 years ago, 15 years ago. <laughs> 
um, or, you know, oh, I had a sleep study done. And I don't think people are aware that that also can change. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because it can change. It can also change for for children and adults with Down syndrome as, as, as with the typical population. But one of the cool things about the hypoglossal nerve stimulator is it's available for adults right now, right? I mean, if you had sleep apnea and met the, the criteria, you could actually have the hypoglossal nerve stimulator put in if you were over the age of 18 and your insurance would pay for it, correct? If you're over the age of 21, you could have it. But so it's FDA approved for, for, for adults over the age of 21, whether or not you have Down syndrome or not, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and in that situation. And it's really for people who have tried CPAP and who have really have significant uh, sleep apnea that's, that's affecting their life, their job, their ability to go to school, their, their own personal health, and can't wear CPAP. And, and therefore, the, that's where this technology comes in, into play. It's for kids under the age of 21 where this, this particular study is, is, in, is, uh, is enrolled. Well, and, and for the listeners, this, this hypoglossal nerve stimulator, like I said, approved for adults but not for kiddos yet, I knew from reading that sleep apnea, I mean, it makes sense. You need good, good airway. It makes sense that you need air to be able to function properly. I get it. You know, on a, on a intellectual level, I understood it. However, and, and Dr. Harknick, thank you so much for this because I didn't until after we had this surgery truly get it like it's one thing to know in your head and go well that's right that's right that's right it's kind of like you know eating vegetables is good for you yes you know you need to get the sleep apnea fixed (laughs) yeah like like okay you, you think you get it however watching Elliot be able to more fully participate in life and guys before like I thought I had a cool kid before I really did but after having the surgery, it is life is easier for him, and I know it's because he's breathing better. And it's fascinating to watch his ability to make good choices, his ability to not get frustrated. I mean, it honestly, I did not fully realize. I just didn't get it. I mean, I knew he fell asleep in the car on the way home from school, and, well, he's just a little boy. He's tired. And, well, yeah, he's probably getting to an age he shouldn't be that tired anymore. But, I mean, he comes home and plays after school now. And that probably sounds to our listeners very, like, a simple thing, like what matters but whether your kid gets a nap after mm-hmm. school. or de- No, it, like, it is so exciting that he comes home and has the energy to play. It's exciting to pick him up and have him tell me about his day. And there are all these, before, these were all just stories that you were being told by the parents, correct, Dr. Harknick? Yeah, that's right. And I, I think, and, and, and I have to say, it's one of the, you know, you go ahead and you develop a, a you, you want to take care of a group of children, you develop a clinical study, and, you, and you, it's almost like you're a little nearsighted. You think, well... They have sleep apnea, and I have got, and I think I've got a way that I can safely help these kids, and I can make that sleep study look at the, the report look better. Mm-hmm. And then the parent, and then one of the amazing things is parents like you come back and say, "Well, it's not even so much that the sleep is better, but it's that my child seems to be doing, getting not doing necessarily better at school, but paying more attention in school, or being able to play for a longer period of time, or be with his friends for a longer period of time, or." or or do I, I'd be less aggressive, and and with the reports that 
we're getting just make more more and more sense to the point that now one of the when we started one of the we weren't even looking at the sort of the neurocognitive effects of this or the speech effects on these children and now because parents are you know parents whose children enroll in the study may made it or may not realize it but they are part of our family and part of our study and they really mm-hmm. help us understand what we should be looking at yeah, you know, and I think think for me, I know that sounds weird, like, and for our listeners, here's the way I guess I could best describe it. Um, so imagine you stay up really late. Maybe you work a double or triple shift, and, and you know how foggy you feel afterwards, or, you know, maybe you've gone through some, and, and, you, and you just don't get sleep, and your brain's not exactly, and you know how tired we as quote-unquote typical individuals feel, and how hard, much more, more difficult it is to make good decisions, like for me, watching the difference in before surgery and after surgery is all of a sudden that's what clicked. Like, oh my gosh, I as a 45-year-old female do not make good decisions when I'm tired and exhausted, you know, and I, you know, I lose my temper more frequently. Well, hold on, wait a second. We have these little people who also happen to rock an extra chromosome and that is their daily. They're waking up every day and we just, because it's always been their norm, we assume that's their norm. And then when you put this surgery in here, it's amazing. And it's so less invasive than the, the tr- traditional treatment. I mean, I, I just, Elliot loves to turn himself. He just has a little remote, you guys. It looks like a mouse on a computer. And he turns himself on and he turns himself <laughs> off. And the other day, I mean, Dr. Harknick, you told me this was going to happen, but I'm not sure I quite believed you. Like, he did go down for a nap because I knew we were going to be up late because of Thanksgiving and so on and so forth. And he came and said, mom, I need my remote. Like he wanted to be turned, he wanted it turned on before he went to sleep. Um, And when we were discussing having the surgery, I was worried I was going to have to force him to turn himself on. And that's 100% not been the case on any level. So much better than trying to initiate a CPAP. Sorry. That's my personal opinion. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing. It's it's great. Should we should we get into kind of describing how how exactly that works? Um, you know, you, you yeah, just, that that maybe you know just so just or, just or, I mean so so just for their listeners. Yeah, in layman's uh, terms, uh, what, if you think in layman's terms, uh, I mean, think about we your tongue. We we all have tongues, and our tongues allow us to um, uh, swallow, and they push the pushes the food down, and it allows us to talk. Uh, and it, and it allows us also to breathe by getting out of the way. So we have we've got a breathing pipe and a food pipe from our mouth, and we've got to sort of coordinate breathing and talking and speaking. And at night, and it, and so it's almost like a, like a marionette that it can move forward and backwards and side to side depending on which string you pull. And the string in this case are different branches of of what we is called the hypoglossal nerve, glossal of the tongue. And and what the what this technology takes takes advantage of is that we can surgically identify using testing the particular branches of the of that nerve that move the tongue forward and stay away from all the other branches that move the tongue from side to side and back. And then we can we, we can put a little cuff around it, so underneath the skin around those branches, and it goes to another wire that goes down into the chest. Which so when when a child or an adult is trying to draw a breath at night, if it's the tongue that's falling back because of the low tone and, and obstruction, it can sense that, the, that that person is trying to take a breath and sends a signal to the tongue that says, please move forward. And it's gated to that, to, to the, to that person's breathing. 
that when they're trying to draw a breath, the tongue is moving forward. They don't know it because they're asleep. And, and their airway opens and they can breathe. And that's the, prem, that's the basic premise of this. You can then you, you can manipulate it a little bit with, with that little mouse that it's talking about, that, and, you, and then with an iPad to, to set it to say, well, we wanted to turn on, say, for one of the problems that people have with wearing CPAP is you have to put this mask on your face and then go to sleep. But you have that mask on your face and you feel it. In this situation, once the device is on, you can set it. So it doesn't actually turn on until about 45 minutes after you turn it on. So by that point, most of the time you're, you're asleep. And even if you wake up, it doesn't hurt. So it doesn't. It's not coming. So in terms of its, it's safety, it's 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 quite safe in that way. Well, and uh, before the show, That's I was amazing. telling I was telling Dr. Hartnett I accidentally forgot to turn Elliot off the other morning and sent him on to school, which was fine because it has an automatic turn off after a certain point in time. But I looked over at him as I was pulling in school and went, "Oh, oh!" But he, Elliot, was fine. He was talking and you know all was good. But I kind of noticed the little tongue right. thrust and went, "Whoops." Anyway, we'll be right back. This yep. is ha- we're going to come to the close of the second segment. We'll be right back. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. Branching Out LLC, a premier lawn and landscaping service that can meet all your residential and commercial needs. Regardless of the season, Branching Out offers a service for maintenance-free outside living. Branching Out takes the time to listen to your needs and ensure it's done correctly the first time. If you're not satisfied, Branching Out is not satisfied. To contact Branching Out, call 573-501-0760 or visit them at www.branchingoutllc.com. Don't you think it's time for a financial advisor who takes time to explain things? Brad Kurz, your local Edward Jones financial advisor, does. Investing can seem complicated. That's why he takes time to listen, understands your needs, and explains without jargon. Experience the Edward Jones difference. Contact Brad today, 573-221-1302. That's 221-1302. Making time to take time. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I learn, I speak, I care. Hashtag every child. Down country, because every child is a gift. Every child can learn, and every child learns differently. Up at downcountry.com. Up at downcountry.com or call 217-617-3568, 217-617-3568, or visit Down Country on Facebook or Twitter. Hashtag every child. Welcome back. This is Hashtag Everyone, talking about Hashtag Everything. I'm Kate Doherty, sitting in as co-host Brock Hampshire, and we are with Dr. Christopher Harknick today talking about the FDA trial for the hypoglossal nerve stimulator for children with Down syndrome. And we are so excited because the hypoglossal nerve stimulator is already approved for all of us if we have sleep apnea over the age of 21. But there is some really exciting preliminary results about this surgery as well that we weren't. It's not just the sleep apnea that we're excited about that gets fixed. Um, and, well, actually, you gave me a stat one time, Dr. Hartnett. Um, with a CPAP machine, you get how many hours of quality sleep a night? So it's, it's you know, it, it's variable. But when you look, when you look at this uh, at most reports, if you're using a CPAP machine for three to four hours a night, and that's actually deemed a success because it's so hard to keep that that machine on. Mm-hmm. So if and you think about how many hours a night that you sleep. So one of 
you know, we'll, we could, we'll talk a little bit about the outcomes of it so far with with our kids. But the kid, you know, and one of the I think the best uh, things about this device so far is that you know kids are averaging almost eight hours of using this device a night, mm-hmm. um, and with it quite successfully, which is which is the full amount that they're sleeping, which is so it it really is covering the span of their evening. And mm-hmm. if you think that most most of us go into REM sleep, which is where, which is which is called rapid eye motion, which is if you're going to have sleep apnea, that's going to be uh, when it happens. And so often we say to our parents, well, if you want to see if your child has sleep apnea or not, it's not that going into your child's room at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night before you go to bed to see if they have sleep apnea. It's usually happening around 3 or 4 in the morning when your kids are going into REM sleep. So that's when you would have to observe it. So if you have a wearing a CPAP machine, then by 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, that machine was knocked off their face, it's not going to help then, whereas mm-hmm. this allows the, the, uh, the resolution of sleep apnea for that whole span of evening. And well, and I, I think that's part of the reason that we're getting to see so many amazing results because it's it's working it's working the whole time. But let's talk a little bit about some of those preliminary results because one of the things that I mean earlier we were talking just in our own personal like how much easier life is for Elliot, but there's some also some really cool um, trends that we're kind of beginning to see. Um, with not just improved sleep, but um, the improved communication, I mean, less anger, anxiety, better social awareness. Um, and, I mean, tell me some more about this, Dr. Harknick. So, I mean, first thing I would just say that you know, the caution of here, of course, is this is early days, that, that one of the issues with any kind of FDA study is to say the first issue that the FDA and our um, Research review boards would say, and rightfully so, would say, is this safe? And, and not so much does it work, but it also is it safe. And, and the one thing, we've now implanted 21 children across the country, and all 21 children have been safely implanted. And that's really the primary goal of the FDA is to say, is this safe technology? And, and what these 21 kids, there have been no major complications, and they've, and they've, mm-hmm. done, they've done really well. In terms of their, 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 you know, again, they're they're averaging about 7.9 hours a night of using this device, and in their in their reduction in their of their sleep apnea is somewhere around 85 percent, which is which is really kind of dramatic in terms of that. I think what the the, the things that because I and mean, it's really because of parents telling anecdotally saying, you know, my child's speech is better and their and their attention is better. What we've started to do is work in collaboration with our neuropsychologists and with our speech pathologists, and to uh, to actually assess uh, in in a in a a very in a prospective fashion. We test before and then at the three and six month uh, month and one year mark afterwards, issues like um, IQ, um, which is just a general proxy or functional communication. How do we how do we communicate with our friends and family? Um, how do we cognitive fatigue being in terms of are you so tired that you just can't think and accomplish generalized tasks? Uh, markers of anxiety and, and aggression, because as, you, as you, we all know this, as you get more and more tired, your level of anxiety and aggression goes up. And finally, issues with regards to just social communication. And, and um, 
And so in, in our very small population to date, and we need more studies for this, what's been dramatic uh, for us to see as a trend is to see that um, there's a half standard deviation so far in overall IQ where, where kids are going up because of sleep. And if that, mm-hmm. if that trend becomes significant, um, a half a standard deviation is, may, may just be game-changing for these kids in terms of how they go to school, can they hold a job, as such, and their ability then to uh, have decreased cognitive fatigue to the point where they can pay attention at school and and then actually perform, and their ability. And we look at their markers specifically of aggression and anxiety. And these are this is on standardized neurocognitive testing that anybody this this isn't just for Down syndrome and not just for this, but as as you said, there's global markers for this. Has, has just dropped um, dramatically for these this population. So again, I want to stress this is early days, and we need, you know, to really look at this over a longer period of time. But the trends are really bearing witness to what the parents themselves are telling us. That's so exciting. It's about possibilities. Absolutely possibilities. Dr. Harknick, thank you so much for coming on the show. We deeply appreciate it. I hope our listeners have enjoyed learning about the pediatric hypoglossal nerve stimulator trial. I hope you all have a blessed Sunday. Happy Sunday. This is Hashtag Everyone talking about Hashtag Everything. Talk to you later.